everyone to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And our intention on the show is to help empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether that's prosperity, radiant health, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. So if you happen to be what I call a Light Warrior Sensitive Soul, you can get my free Light Warrior Empowerment Kit at Light Warrior Support. Now, today's guest is very special. She is a colleague and friend of mine from the Wellness Leadership Academy. Those of you that have been following me on the Light Warrior Network on Facebook know that I'm, you know, just totally, totally jazzed and so, so grateful for my Wellness Leadership Academy family. We kind of meet each other all over the world in Fiji and Hawaii and Toronto, you know, it's really amazing. And our guest today, Dr. Carrie Fullerton, is, I, you know, I, when I first saw the Diet Rebellion, I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> you know? And um, I'm going to let Dr. Carrie tell you about her story, how we got into it. But now it's perfect time to have her on the show because it is the beginning of the new year and everybody is into I'm going to be a new person, I'm going to go out and exercise, and I'm going to do this diet and that diet and lose weight. And then what happens is people get frustrated and they give up very, very soon afterwards because whatever they're doing is not sustainable. So I can put my hand up to say, yep, <laughs> I've been there, done that. Uh, so many of the, my light warriors that I work with every day and in my group um, suffer from food addictions, sugar addictions, things like that. They're very, very sensitive to other people's energies, um, and, and but sometimes don't really know what to do uh, on a practical basis, like how to love themselves, how to, how to love their bodies the way it is. And even I have, you know, had struggled with this in the past when I look in the mirror and I think, well, gee, you know, four years ago I had a waistline. It was so fun. It was short-lived, but so fun to have this really nice, you know, skinny waist and I look good in my skating costumes and I was easy to lift, you know, in pair skating uh, and then now 25 pounds every year. I know it's ascension related. I know what it is, what it is. And just getting into that um, ability to really love all parts of me, even if this belly is sticking out, uh, even if, you know, it necessarily for me isn't uh, a diet thing. Uh, but to be able to get to that place where we're at peace and really loving our bodies so, so important. So now I just want to tell you a little bit about um, Dr. Fullerton, Dr. Carrie. I like calling people by their first names because I, I call myself by the first name, Dr. Karen. So she is an intuitive eating and body acceptance coach as well as a naturopathic doctor. So if any of you want some expert mentoring or coaching today, this is a great opportunity to get that. The number to call in for that is 818-514-1190. Just hit one so we know your hand's up and we'll unmute you later. So again, the number is to call in 818-514-1190. And also, if you are uh, just listening online, you can click the chat button and I've actually opened up the chat so if you have a question for Dr. Carrie there you can definitely write it in and I'll share that uh, with her in the near future. So Dr. Carrie has been helping women escape the confusion, the sense of defeat that comes from chronically battling their body and food. So many people have these issues. So she helps you find peace and power with your food and your body so that you can live the healthiest and the happiest life. And what she's most passionate about is raising a whole generation of girls that don't look at their bodies for their happiness, self-worth, or confidence. A generation that will use their minds and money to change the world instead of focusing so much of their energies and negativity on, you know, their their bodies and what they, quote-unquote, should look like. 
And you can check out uh, more information about uh, Dr. Kerry at kerryfullerton.com, K-E-R-R-I-F-U-L-L-E-R-T-O-N.com. And we'll be repeating this later in the show. And also thedietrebellion.com. Check that out. So www.thedietrebellion, all one word, dot com. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Kerry to the show. I'm so happy you're here. Hey, thanks, Karen. I'm happy to be here, too. Happy New Year. <clears throat> yes, Happy New Year. So I'd love for you to share with our listeners, since you're new to the show, a little bit about your story. Like, first of all, how did you decide to become a naturopathic doctor? And then how did you decide to kind of, you know, be an expert in this arena? Well, as all of our stories go, it starts like so many moons ago. Um <laughs> But um, a big turning point, <laughs> big turning point for me was actually while I was in school to be a naturopathic doctor, and um, <clears throat> I had decided to be a naturopath. Um, as funny as it sounds, but it was, it was sort of haphazard and a bit intuitive. Um, I had always been interested in medicine, and someone introduced me to the concept of naturopathic medicine. I'd never heard of it, and it just felt right. So. Um, one of the first times I really followed my gut and decided to pursue it as a career and never looked back. It's been a, an amazing adventure. So that was back in, I graduated in 2003, so that was a few years ago. <laughs> but while I was in school, I had um, I'd always been battling with my, my body image, my confidence. Um, food was always my nemesis. I loved it and hated it all at the same time. Um, ever since I was a little kid. Um, and so when I was in school, I had this enormous pressure that I thought I had to really look the part um, to be a doctor and to take people on their journeys that <clears throat> I had to look a certain way. And at the time, I did not think that I, I looked the way I was supposed to. And um, I'd gone to the, the bookstore looking for the next the next diet, the next plan, the next thing, right? Because that's what we do. We look outside ourselves and there's got to be a new book or a new thing or a new pill for right. magic, right? And um, I, being a student um, and absolutely broke, <laughs> my husband and I were living in my dad's garage. Um, <clears throat> so I was in the bargain <laughs> section. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was good times. Um, and uh, I found this book for two bucks, but it was called It's Not About Food. And it was not at all what I'd gone to the bookstore to find, but it um, it planted that first seed of that maybe it wasn't actually a problem with food. And um, and it was amazing. And it, it, it's like they wrote the book for me. It was very much about the restriction and the overconsumption and the obsessive thoughts. And they 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 were in my head. It was amazing. And it was the first time I'd ever read anything about this sort of non-dieting approach, that there was a way that I could take care of myself without being on the diet. And that just was so foreign to me. I'd watched my mom and my grandmom diet forever. I, I, it's ah. just what women do, right? <laughs> right, right. What, yeah. Um, I've been to a couple of Christmas parties in the last few weeks, and it's just shocking how easily the conversation goes to how much we don't like our bodies and and what foods we're going to cut out. And did you hear about this and that? And and I don't know if it happens for men too, but women seem to congregate and <laughs> yeah, this really is the conversation. <laughs> 
what diet are you on? What one are you about to start? What ones have you tried? Mm. It's it's like talking about the weather. I think men talk so, yeah, about cars or sex point. or something. <laughs> maybe. And you know what? Like maybe I need to learn about cars because it would be far more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe useful, you know? <laughs> yeah, really. So then I, I pursued my career and, and, you know, I did what every doctor does to begin with and you try and help everybody. And what woman doesn't come in with at least in their top three of their chief complaints being weight loss. And, mm. um, you know, I just really started to, to know that it just didn't work, that something had to shift. And it took me a long time to figure it out. Uh, it wasn't until about five years ago when I, really came to the understanding that intuitive eating really is a place to go to, um, that it's a sustainable, reasonable, long-term solution for people to find a healthy diet for themselves. Um, And within that, there's the compassion, self-compassion, most importantly. And of course, I couldn't love my body, but I could certainly start at appreciating my body because love was just too far-fetched for me. Um, and it actually turned me right off when people had your, these, you know, love your body and the acceptance piece. I really struggled with that because I didn't want to like this body that I was in. I didn't want to love it. I wanted it to change. Ah. So for me, it had to start with self-compassion and gratitude. Um, and then that has developed into a wonderful relationship with my body. But it's, uh, yeah, it's an amazing, just different approach to things. And, and I was shocked and pleased to find out when I dug into the research, like it is so well supported and has been for 20, 30 years. And yet we don't hear about it. Oh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. So before we dive into the research, I just want to comment that um, you made a really important point is that there are so many programs about love your body and this and that. But what you're saying is that you weren't at that place to be able to even step into that piece. And I think people struggle with that because they're like, I'm supposed to love my body and I'm not even close to that, (laughs) you know, that kind of feeling. Yeah, so what you're offering is really that bridge uh, to not force people to, and then feel guilty, right? I'm not loving yeah. my body, so I'm <laughs> going to feel bad about myself, right? And then you have that bridge and go, hey, yeah, it isn't all that easy, and you don't have to do that right away to make a huge difference in your life. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much uh, mm. for that piece. It's, it's a gem. So let's dive <laughs> into the research. I'm really interested in this whole thing. The research is really fascinating in that, I mean, long-term weight loss from a sustainable piece, like past that two to five-year range, is is really like a holy grail. There are so few people. We call it that elusive 5% club um, because 95% of people are going to gain weight back. And even if they don't gain all of it back, a good chunk of people are going to gain back more weight than they lost. And that's part of my story. I, I say regularly that I dieted myself fat. I wasn't big to begin with, but I managed to, um, to train myself to be super smart. And they will not be starved. <laughs> um, they, they respond very quickly to any kind of deprivation. And, you know, I've done a good number on my metabolism. And what we understand now about what, these what dieting does is 
it just it makes me so sad because we know how many young girls are now dieting. Um, grades one to three, about yeah. half of them. So these little girls are eight years old oh, and they're no. already their biggest fear is being fat. Because oh, no, we have that's so sad. Portray- yeah, that's I mean that's the driving force behind the diet rebellion. That's what really had me shift my focus and really take a stand for this because if we're trying to prevent obesity, we're in the war with obesity, and yet we're, we're doing such a disservice to our children by creating this tension and this fear of being fat. Um, and the number of women who are in a normal weight range who are quite healthy and not at risk of any kind of conditions are actively trying to lose weight, mm-hmm. like almost mm-hmm. half again. And that kind of stuff, and they're in normal weight. And that was me when I started. My mom took me to Weight Watchers because that's where everyone starts, right? And they now <gasps> offer free oh. programs to teenagers. Teenagers don't have to pay. And it starts them on this cycle. And I was 12 I didn't know years that. old. Yeah, <laughs> that, was a big, that was a big thing on the Internet. Um, I think it was last year when they offered it. They started offering it free. And then it, I don't know, how many times did you do Weight Watchers? I know most people have done it like at least four or five times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's so true. People do it all the time. I've actually never um, stepped foot in the the place, but I, you know, a lot of my patients have Mm. done it and have had temporary Mm. success with the keyword being temporary. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the research shows, Karen, is that it's temporary. But all these plans Mm. and all these things, I mean, I remember I was working with a business coach a long time ago, and he said, Carrie, you just need to create a weight loss program. And I looked at him, and I said, what are you, are you crazy? I said, that's <laughs> like, that, that like, it goes against everything I have. And he's like, well, you'd make a buttload of money. I'm like, you're right, and I would be selling my soul. Like, it's oh temporary. And, of course, I could create, you could create, we could all create some amazing new program, and we could make a bucket load of money at it, but it, it won't last. And there's a couple of main problems, I think, with the whole thing. Is One, it absolutely requires you to not like your body. All of it is based yeah. in hate. And you cannot hate your body in the one that you're going to love. Yep. And I see this in my group all the time. People will say, yeah, I had this weight loss goal, and I got on the scale, and, you know, I was one pound less than that goal, and I looked in the mirror, and nothing was different. You don't suddenly mm. start to love your body, respect your body, take care of your body, any of those things. It's a magical weight, but it just doesn't happen that way. And um, the love, I really believe, has to come first, or at the bare minimum, like I said, like appreciation, gratitude, and respect. Because I don't think loving your body is actually a condition for any of this to work. I really don't think you okay, have yeah, to get good to, to know. that point. Um, well, because as long as, as long as you can have a sense of, of respect, um, you know, I don't have to like what my body looks like to feel gratitude for it, to be very appreciative Mm. of all the gifts that I have on a daily basis that my body gives me. And I can still not like how it looks for that to occur. But if I respect something, I'm far more likely to take good care of it. Right. I'm probably not going to hurt it or harm it or you know I used to exercise to the point of injury um I don't do that anymore I move my body because I love it not because I hate it 
And right. that's a very different energy that you bring to it, right? Yeah, because anything, like if you hated your, you know, what's supposed to be your best friend, you think your best friend's going to, like, you know, hang out with you and be nice to you back? I don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> that actually, that insight came from watching a movie a long time ago. Do you remember the movie A Wedding Planner? It was uh, Jennifer Oh, Lopez yeah, vaguely, movie. but. That was pretty funny. So there's a scene in that movie where she finds out that her dad and mom had an arranged marriage. And she was horrified. She's like, but you guys were so in love. And he said, oh, it didn't start that way. They hated each other. They were both in love with someone else. And she's like, well, how on earth did that turn into this loving relationship that I witnessed? And he said that he got really sick and she took care of him. And he appreciated Mm. that. And then that appreciation is what allowed room for the respect and that friendship. And then that friendship finally grew to love. And I thought, holy wow, <laughs> that's it. Because I just could not, I couldn't ever imagine loving a body that I, I never did. I, I don't ever have any kind of memory, working memory of loving the body I was in at the time. I can look back on pictures, and I think most women can relate to this, right? They go, oh, man, if only I'd been happy at that. Like, why didn't I just Yeah, yeah, yeah. There? I can relate to right? that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my response is that we have that opportunity today. Like, this could be that body that we stop at. This could be the body that we don't look back on and go, man. Because <clears throat> I didn't appreciate what I had when I had it. And I think most women can relate to that. And if we can at least start to appreciate the one that we have, that does not mean that this has to be the body that you live in forever. It won't be. Change is is the only consistent thing in this world, right? (laughs) Right. It's inevitable. Yeah. And, you know, as we age and go through hormonal changes, our bodies are going to change. It's... It's one of those things that more recently I've been pondering. I'm like, I find it fascinating that, you know, when a, when a girl's body changes during puberty, those changes are seen as celebratory for many um, and right. part of the human condition. But then when we go off into the other end of that same reproductive cycle and go through menopause, our bodies change again. Our bodies change during pregnancy. Our bodies change mm-hmm. with all of these hormonal changes, and yet the only ones that we think are allowed and okay are the ones at puberty. Mm-hmm. We fight all oh, good the rest point. of them. And I just, that's something that more recently has been, I'm still pondering that one a little bit, but I find it really interesting, you know, now that I'm in my 40s yeah. and my body's changing again. Like, huh. But somehow, you know, when women have babies and they're trying to get their body back and they're going through perimenopause mm-hmm. and menopause and they're really upset about the body changes. Like, well. Right. Instead of some of it going, kind well, of, part of, yeah, part of life. And that's so true. That's so true that we only celebrate that little piece and not the mm-hmm. rest. And not the whole journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so wow. interesting to me that. Yeah, that's a side track well, for well, sure. And, 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 yeah, and, and Dr. Carey, I was just going to share with you uh, that, you know, what you talked about a little earlier about, you know, your um, 
you know, what fires you up and, mm. um, you know, that, that you want to raise a generation of girls, you know, that are happy with themselves, that have the self-worth. Because I know growing up, <clears throat> even like grade, what was I, grade five, five, eight, no, eight, eight, grade eight. Yeah. So grade eight, I remember clearly uh, the teacher who was very popular, he's a great guy, you know, he, uh, I don't know how it got into this, but he just asked the whole class, well, how many people are happy with their bodies, you know, or happy with them? Anyway, something about happy with their bodies, right? Yeah. So I start to put my hand up, and nobody puts their hand up. Nobody. Yeah. So I I lowered mine. I did not want mm. to be the single person <laughs> that said I was happy with my body because it was not cool to like your body. Yeah. And, like, I was shocked because the most popular girl in the class who was beautiful, who was shaped amazingly, yes. who was like the smartest person in the class. We're talking brains and beauty. She didn't put up her yeah. hand either. And I was looking at her like, you got to be kidding me. You're like the most yeah. popular, the brainiest, the most beautiful person in this room. And of course, the, the he pointed out like, and he was so shocked too. He's like, you know, so-and-so, what about you? And so-and-so, what about you? And, of course, he picked on, like, what other people called the ugliest person in the room. And I felt really bad for her because mm-hmm. I knew everybody thought she was ugly. And, um, you know, it was so embarrassing. And then I thought to myself, well, what can I not be happy with? Oh, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm too skinny, right? Well, guess mm-hmm. what? I saw mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I saw You know, but but I just think that what you're taking a stand for is absolutely important absolutely necessary so i just want to you know thank you you know for for Mm. doing that and thank you for that being your mission (sighs) yeah thank you for bringing that it's just it's you know not to go too feminist side of things because i tend to be a fairly um middle of the road person by nature um which is shocking to think in terms of what i'm doing right now but i (laughs) I I look at how much we as women are kept down as a result of our lack of confidence Mm -hmm. and how much we are told that there's a simple solution. We just need to change our bodies. And whether it's through cosmetic surgery or whether it's through dieting or whether it's through some fitness boot camp or whatever it is, and this time of year, I mean, just look at all the commercials. New year, new you. You know, you want to feel good about yourself, yeah. no problem. Just change, just change how you look. And it, it frustrates me so much because my confidence finally came when I stopped trying to change the outside. This is my vessel. Mm. This is my vessel to get through life. And, you know, please don't misunderstand me that I'm saying don't respect it and treat it like crap and do all. Of course not. I mean, my entire, the whole diet rebellion and intuitive eating, everything is built on respect and, you know, eating to the point of discomfort, um, eating foods that don't suit my body um, is not being respectful. So that's not what I'm talking about. I definitely am pro-health. There's no question there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think we just have to flip it on its head. And I know most of the women, when they first meet me and they think, you know what, Carrie, I love what you're selling. I love this idea. Um, but I'm just going to change my body first, and then I'm going to work on the mindset. Yeah. And the mindset <laughs> stuff, right? Just let me get rid of this weight, and then I'll do your stuff. 
Um, (laughs) And then they come back and they go, man, I really wish I'd start your stuff like 20 pounds ago because they go and they lose the weight and they gain it back. And then they gain a little bit more and they start the cycle again and again and again. Um, And when girls are starting this at eight years old, I think, oh, my gosh. And, again, some research came through my inbox maybe a month ago, and they, um, yet again, uh, the only consistent predictor for future weight gain was intentional weight loss. That's crazy. Does that blow your mind? Oh, my, and, and oh my gosh. So it totally blows my mind. That shows it over and over again that when people are trying to lose weight, it virtually guarantees future weight gain. And that, that so like if we want not, to prevent obesity, we should probably stop the weight loss attempts in younger, younger years, right? But, you know, we've got free programs for teenagers and we've got all these well-meaning teachers who are the lunch police and talking to kids about what they should be eating and shouldn't be eating and when they should be eating. And we've taken this whole world of nutrition and created a land of confusion, and nobody knows. Oh, absolutely. Up. Well, and then, yeah. and then, I mean, I sometimes I, 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 I end up not keeping my mouth shut when it should be shut, um, especially <laughs> with family, <laughs> um, because you know I was at at a family uh, you know gathering and and I saw you know one of the young you know teen teens um, grab this big huge tub of margarine and um, I was I don't know I like I said I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And I'm like, why are you eating that? You know, I just like, blurted it out of my mouth. And she looked at me. She says, I don't like to be judged. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. It's not my responsibility to teach you what or what you should or shouldn't eat. I apologize. I was overstepping my bounds. So, but it was like this, this, you know, this, this desire yeah. to like push, um, and 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 you know and but that's not where it needs to come from. Like what you're talking yeah. about is really from that self worth, from the inside, from that respect, you know. And then oftentimes I find that things naturally, kind of you know, uh, figure themselves out. Like for example, I've had we'll talk about food addiction in a moment here, um, mm-hmm. and your your take on that. But I have uh, had uh, when I do so called quote-unquote, not eat healthy or snack or whatever it is, um, my go-to often is like chips, you know. Mm-hmm. And what I found out recently is when I have cravings for potato chips, that uh, oftentimes I am not actually absorbing salt or fat very well. And that's what my body mm-hmm. is wanting, salt and fat. And if I catch it beforehand, now oftentimes I'll just bless the chips and love it and appreciate it and eat it anyway, you know, yeah. but, but if I decide to like, Hmm, I don't want to do that right now. So let me just check in with my body and what does it want? Oh, I'm not really, you know, assimilating salt very well. So then I can do like, in my case, I do energy healing and then shift that. And then it's so funny because it'll be like piles of chips sitting on top of the fridge and I don't even want one. It's not because yeah. I can't have it. It's because my body goes, eh, whatever, meh. So, mm-hmm. that's, well, that's, again, let's talk a little bit going, about food addiction. Food addiction is a food addiction is a funny thing. Um, I did want to make one comment just quickly with what you just said about the chips, because when yeah. you said, you know, I bless them and I eat them anyways, that is 
such an understated and important thing. Um, I So many people say, no, I don't restrict anything. I'm like, okay, but when you eat those foods, do you feel guilty? Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so you're restricting. You're just restricting emotionally. You're not restricting right. physically. And that does just as much weirdness in your body. They, so many studies, but my favorite, just because it's, I love the title, is called Mind Over Milkshake. And they took <laughs> two groups of... <laughs> As we were talking in the pre-show there, the iterations, like, I just love it. Um, but they took two groups of people and they gave them the same milkshake, but they relabeled each of them. So one group thought that they were having this like nutritionally balanced, amazing like meal replacement. And the other group thought that they were eating this like high fat, high sugar indulgent treat. And they measured ghrelin. Um, ghrelin is that hunger hormone. Um, ghrelin always wins, just always. If you're hungry, our bodies have so many ways to make sure that we do not starve. It is mind-boggling, but that's probably we could do a whole show on that. So they measured ghrelin when they were about to drink the milkshake. Um, so that measured roughly how hungry they were. Now the normal response is when you get food into your body, your ghrelin levels drop, and then they start to rise again later, so that you get more fuel, right? So the group that thought that they were eating, well, actually both groups, their ghrelin levels dropped after they consumed it. But what was really interesting was the group that thought that they were having this guilty pleasure, their ghrelin levels started to rise much sooner and much higher than the group who thought that they had this healthy nutritional shake. And this is, like, again, this is why I'm so adamant about the mindset, because if how you are with your food makes such a difference in how our bodies use it and the chemical and hormonal cascades that happen afterwards are very much influenced by how we are feeling when we're eating. Mm-hmm. So the world right now and New Year's resolutions is going to talk about the what, like what you should eat and what you shouldn't and the work is really in the how and the why. Yeah. How are you eating? How are you showing up to your food? And why are you eating? Are you eating because you're hungry, like physically, biologically hungry, or are you eating for other reasons? And mm-hmm. those are the things that really make a difference. So I often get asked about, you know, like, oh, what? So there's just like no nutrition involved in your program? Like, of course not. It's just not the top of the list. So the other day, I went to Subway. We were going to a Christmas party, and I knew it was going to be lots of nibbly kind of food. Um, and I've learned that snacking does not work for me. I like I need a meal. So we stopped to grab a sub on the way there, and then I knew I'd probably pick a couple of my favorite things while I was there, but I just wanted to feel like I already ate. And um, there was two subs on the menu that were interesting to me, and then I thought, yeah, I could totally go for either of those. <clears throat> well, Ontario has just implemented this whole all the calorie counts and everything are on all the menus everywhere so yeah it's again that could be a whole other show but right in this circumstance (laughs) (laughs) um I looked at the two of them and they both sounded delicious to me and I could imagine myself being totally satisfied with either of them so then I looked at the calorie count and the one had 350 calories more than the other and I didn't think that that one was worth more, if that makes sense. 
So I chose the other one, and I had a wonderful sandwich, and it was delicious, and we went off to the party. Had I gone in there in the other mindset of, like, I have, whatever, 450 calories to spend, I'm immediately in a restrictive standpoint, right? Oh, I can only choose from these, as opposed to the way I started, which is I can have anything I want. And if the one with the more calories had been the one I wanted, I would have ordered it in a heartbeat, but it just didn't matter to me in that moment, right? right? So nutrition guides the choices. It just doesn't dictate the choices. What guides this work is satisfaction. Is it going to satisfy my palate? Is it going to satisfy my level of hunger? Is it, like, those are the questions that get answered first. And those are the ones that, unfortunately, in our current nutritional climate, really muck up our thought process. And make it very difficult because people just don't even know what they love and don't love anymore. They don't know what suits them. They're eating salad. Right. They have no idea. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many. Well, you know what it's like. Like, patients come in and they're like, oh, "Oh, but I eat healthy. And I'd be like, so, okay, so what does that mean, you know? It's like, well, I have oatmeal and toast for breakfast. And then I get really hungry. And then I have a salad. But then I really... And, you know, I'm starving by dinner and I'm, you know, I overeat. And I was like, yeah. you have salad for lunch? Really? That's it? Are you kidding me? Like, that wouldn't hold me right. for more than 20 minutes, you know? So it's yeah. this funny, yeah. like, assumption that we have that you're supposed to eat light or whatever. And then your body's, like, starving of nutrients. Yeah. Well, and that leads us right into the food addiction conversation beautifully, actually. <laughs> um, awesome. <clears throat> Food addiction has become sort of an accepted term, and I I get frustrated with that in and of itself. When we look at the rat studies and the mouse studies that they did, the way that they got these animals to behave in this addictive state um, is they restricted their food first. The only way that they could elicit this response was to starve them to begin with. And none of the addiction studies are, um, I'm losing my words today, Um, controlled is the word I'm looking for, for dieting and for restriction. So one of the rebound effects of restriction is overconsumption. One of my favorite studies with that is they, um, and this one spoke to me because I have a history of binge eating. Um, like binge eating disorder, not eating a row of cookies, but I'd eat like the bag of cookies, the tub of ice cream and the cake. Um, Like I ate a lot when I binged. And um, so this particular study was fascinating to me was they restricted the rats. Um, Mm -hmm. They were measuring ghrelin and the rats who had been restricted, not only did they overeat when the food was available to them, but they hoarded the food. And this behavior, despite being just offered normal food, it lasted four days before they regulated again and stopped hoarding the food and stopped overeating. And that was fascinating to me because I thought, oh, wow, yeah. Because my history was restrict, restrict, totally go over the other side, and that pendulum would just swing so hard both ways. And that is what I see with people with food addiction. You know, they go, oh, well, If I'm not supposed to restrict, then I'll just say screw the rules, which was part of my challenge was actually adopting this whole non-diet approach because the very first thing I did was like, woohoo, all foods are allowed. And then I ate my face off 
And then okay. that just served <laughs> as like, <laughs> it just served my belief that I couldn't be trusted around food. Um, so food is not like in rebel Boot Camp is my, like my first 12 week program. And we don't talk about food really until about week nine. There's so many things that have to happen before you throw out the rules. Um, and even with intuitive eating, um, which I'm running a program the end of January, that yes, it's about food, but we don't abandon the food rules right off the top because it needs to be done safely and it needs to be a positive experience or you just reinforce all these beliefs, right? Mm, I'm not good um, enough. I'm not strong enough. Yeah, I'm just weak-willed. It's all these different things. Right, and it's just right. not true. And, I mean, you touched on it when you were talking about your patients, right? I mean, we under-eat all day and then eat our way through the kitchen all night and we call it lack of willpower. Well, no, that's hunger. Like, that's... That's mm-hmm. primal yeah, nutrient deficiency, <laughs> right? Like your body is going, whoa! You asked me to do all of this. I need to eat. Um, and some people can white knuckle their way through it for a while, but eventually those hormones will drive you to eat, and they will drive you to overeat because your body will not let you starve. And even if it's not a full-on binge, it'll be, it'll be uncomfortable, and you just won't feel good about it. You know, and a lot of people mm-hmm. are experiencing that right now because they kind of threw out the rule book. They just said, oh, screw it, it's December. I'll just get back on track in January. Yeah. And then <clears throat> overate and overconsumed because even though they were consuming the food, that emotional restriction was there, right? Well, I got to do it now because I won't be able to later. Yeah. And so just like those mice, there's that hoarding and that overconsumption because the trust that the food will be there when we want it starts to get lost, right? Absolutely, absolutely. My my yeah. brother, uh, although he's he's not um, he's not overweight right now, but uh, when he was a child, I clearly remember, you know, him hoarding like whatever it was, Coca Cola or cans of Coca Cola. He'd put his name. Okay, we're in a family mm-hmm. five, right? He put his name on top of the cans of Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to drink your Coke. He's like, well, I don't trust you, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like, seriously? You know, because he would actually, you know, drink ours. (laughs) He didn't trust himself. So he had to put uh, his name on all of those things and and hoard it. And I think this whole family line, lineage, whatever, I mean, they did starve. You know, they did starve. There was wartime, you know, on both sides of the family. And and so I totally get why sometimes I do have that urge to hoard or like, oh, wow, you know, prime rib, I don't have that that mm-hmm. often, so I'm going to need an extra piece. Not because right. I'm hungry, but because I'm not going to get it again. Like, how ridiculous is that? Like, you know, but I have to laugh at myself <laughs> about that. Yeah, at least well, I'm aware. Well, for some people that's true, though. I mean, if, if you happen to have grown up, maybe in a large family, um, <clears throat> where, you know, you, maybe you want to go back for a second, but there's none left. So then you learn to put more on your plate and consume more because you just don't know. Um, If you happen to live in a family that doesn't have necessarily a lot of money and maybe food is a little bit scarce. Um, You know, there are a lot of children who grow up without necessarily having breakfast or lunch. Um, You know, the schools here are pretty good about having food available, but it's limited. Um, so that again can lead to that kind of behavior and that stealing food and hoarding food and, and keeping it. Um, and it can also happen from 
<clears throat> if there's a fear of judgment. Uh, so if, yes. uh, and this was something I did, like I hid my food consumption because I didn't want to be judged or be right. I was a good girl. Right. And I was eating bad food. Mm-hmm. I was being a bad girl. So I would hide the stuff. Um, I mean, there's just so many physiological and psychological issues that go with this. Um, and so again, in, in our current nutritional climate of like, well, it's don't eat bananas. That's the answer. Or don't eat the sugar or don't eat the whatever. <laughs> there's always, <laughs> there's always a food that's villainized and always a food that's glorified. It's either going to kill you or cure you. And we're one bite away from disease or like mm-hmm. blissful health forever. Um, and it's just so oversimplified. It's, it's getting ridiculous. Um, and it's confusing yeah, this, people. This, it is. And this whole culture um, is, you know, I have to say well-meaning, you know, well-meaning, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be oh, health yeah, practitioners or agencies. Brilliant. The intent is good, but then it makes people afraid. And I've done it. You know, I've, you know, mm-hmm. said things like the whole margarine thing, you know, like I said things, mm-hmm. you know, out of my mouth and realized, wait, wait a second, this is not making the effect that is helpful. I mean, especially with mm-hmm. family and friends, because they're not, they're not hiring me, right, to ask me these opinions, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm just yeah. offering them. And whether it be like putting up a meme about, you know, glyphosate in your food or, you know, and I used mm-hmm. to put a ton of those up, like warning, 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 but people didn't heed the advice. Um, because it was too painful. They were already in that place in their mindset and in their culture that they're trying their best already. And here I am, you know, yeah. offering one more piece of information that they did not want to hear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and no I still do it, I have to say, game. but <laughs> better yeah. it. No one wants to play a game they can't win. Um, yeah. And this is what happens in the weight loss world. And I think why so many women relate to that sense of defeat where they know that a new diet isn't going to work. They know that that pill isn't going to give it to them, but they're not ready to give up. And the only solution they've ever been offered is restrict this food group. Or, you know, maybe there's, because there's lots of programs out there, like, no, you can eat anything you want, just only this much of it. Mm-hmm. But still restriction. I remember one lady yeah. talking to me. <laughs> she was very frustrated. <clears throat> we were. She had interviewed for my program, and and I said, you know, I just I don't know if you're ready yet. <laughs> so we had had some really great conversations. And she called me a, a few weeks later, and she said, you know, I think I figured it out. Like if I just eat this many calories, then then I'll be fine. And and you know, oh, but like I'm gonna eat what I want, and I'm gonna eat whatever. And I was like, okay, well. Tell me, what happens if you're hungry at the end of the day? Like, if you've eaten everything that you've been allotted for the day and you're still hungry, what are you going to eat? Or what are you going to do? And she said, well, I'll just distract myself. I'll drink lots of water. And I said, well, yeah, I've heard that before. See, how respectful is that to your body, though? It's clearly telling you it needs food. And I'm not talking about, like... Pr- there's hunger and then there's desire and those are two different things, right? So right, right. like right now there's a ton of food in my house that is not always here um, that I might desire, but I'm not physically hungry right now. Now by the time we get off this call, I might be and then I'll make myself a plate of something, but desiring something and actually being hungry are, are different. Um, mm-hmm. But if your body is giving you clear hunger cues and you ignore them, 
it's just not respectful, right? It's like, oh, how many women dance around the office They won't take the time to pee? These are completely <laughs> yeah, boring, yep, basic I know that one. Signal. I was like a med school. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, gosh, I, yeah, I, right? Yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, I wouldn't get a meal because I'd be on call, and the only thing left over was the um, the, the cafe would be closed. I couldn't buy anything to eat, um, and I would go to the machines and get a chocolate or whatever was in it. It was terrible, but and it didn't satisfy me but at all. all. But that, that was, was all that was available. Yeah, yeah, yep. and that's not uh, the greatest I mean, way to live. It's better than not eating at all. Um, True, but. It's it's a tricky it's a tricky balance, um, and I guess it just again comes back to this when we're offering this advice, especially unsolicited, like especially, but even solicited mm. sometimes can do more harm than good because it leads to this confusion, it leads to sense of guilt, it leads to complete overwhelm, and changing our habits requires effort and requires. <clears throat> support and it requires longevity and right now there's a ton of people who are going to do a major overhaul to their lives because we don't just say okay you know what I'm going to start meditating or I'm going to move my body more we're like no no I'm going to clean up my diet I'm going to start an exercise program. I'm going to spend more time with my family <laughs> because I need to do that. And I'm going to, ex- I'm going to meditate and everything's going to be made from scratch. And right. Like it's mm. and, and, Oh, journal. I'm going to journal. That's another big one that comes up. Um, <laughs> yep. But like, we're going to do the whole bandamo. Well, then what happens? Well, life happens. Maybe someone gets sick, you know, maybe, right. um, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, there could be a flood. There could be, I don't know, you have to stay late at work one night. Um, and sometimes drive through is the best thing that you can offer yourself because to wait until you get home and try and cook a meal for your family and then you're a complete bitch. <laughs> I don't know if you let those <laughs> words on your show, but like, sure, why not? It's just, you're just nasty to your whole family. Um, whereas if you just stopped and picked something up, you could have actually had a connection and a nice time with your family and those kinds of things. So it's, mm-hmm. what are we willing to sacrifice in the name of nutrition? And that mm-hmm. has gotten a little askew um, these days. Yep. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that convenience foods should be the main part of someone's diet. Um, as a generalized like goal in life, but temporarily, no one is going to develop any kind of disease or nutrient deficiency from a few meals of takeout or a few meals that were prepared by someone other than you. Right. And I think it's that what you're saying before, like the whole energy of how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your family, that connection, how you feel about your eating and your body is really more important than the actual food that you put in your mouth. I mean, mm-hmm. on an energetic basis, it's super important. Definitely. Um, and I just wanted yeah. to remind folks that are on the um, call live that you can call in and ask Dr. Carey a question and get some expert coaching if you'd like. We have some folks I can see that are with us. So the number to call in is 818-514-1190. Just hit 1. Again, it's 818-514-1190 and hit 1. And you can also write it in the chat, which I've also opened up as well if you're online and not uh, calling in by phone. 
so maybe while we're waiting for folks, if anyone wants to ask a question, Dr. Carey, you can share with us a little bit about um, some of your programs and especially the, the new one, the intuitive eating program, and then mm-hmm. maybe how people can connect with you and see if it's right for them. Yeah, so um, I guess I started the the formal programs a few years ago, and they started with um, Rebel Boot Camp and then Living Life as a Rebel and then Mastering Life as a Rebel, and it all evolved out of the needs of the clients I was working with. And through all of that, the principles of intuitive eating, um, because they shaped my way of thinking so profoundly, um, I finally decided I was going to get certified in intuitive eating because it, I think, is it's that bridge. It's that bridge between the dieting world and the health because health and weight are not mm-hmm. synonymous. And most of the time right. people come in and they say, like, what I'm looking for, like, I want to be healthier, so I'm going to lose weight. And the commercials right now, um, at least up here, they're not actually talking about weight loss. They're talking about health. Um, but they, mm-hmm. the goal is the weight loss, right? Um, but knowing that these programs don't typically last for 95% of people, what can they do? And that's where the intuitive eating comes in. So it appeals to my doctor hat. It was written by two nutritionists um, way back in 95, actually. And since then, it's had almost 100 studies done. And what it shows is that people, um, generally speaking, at least maintain their weight. Some will lose. Um, But the most important pieces is that they are healthier in that it affects their um, their blood lipids like cholesterol levels in a positive way their blood sugars um, blood pressure all of these things are improved when people are eating intuitively so that satisfies my it's not just this rah-rah I'm going to be part of this body positive fat acceptance piece it it has a lot of research to back it up and because it's a systemized like there's 10 principles and and I don't know, they just appeal to the biology, right? We're going to honor your hunger, honor your fullness. You're going to respect your satisfaction. You're going to eat for actual hunger reasons instead of emotional reasons. So we're going to deal with emotional eating and what can you do instead of eating your way through your feelings. Um, all of these all of these pieces just so beautifully fit. Now, because it was just, sort of sprinkled through my other programs, I decided after I got certified that I was going to run a program because they have these amazing books and amazing amazing audios, but I wanted to bring it all into one place. I am so visual. And through the Wellness Leadership Academy with our coaches, I've learned how to create amazing pieces for people to use functionally, right, whether it's a PDF or a recording. So I can appeal to all the different learning styles, um, because reading the book is a bit academic, and if you're not really into reading, it can get heavy. <laughs> um, right. And I also, uh, whereas I'm a total geek and love all that stuff, I know lots of people aren't, and they just want to get to the chase, and they want the tools. Um, right. And they I want forget. The tools, they want the guidance. Yeah. And I forget to use the tools that I have. I, I forget to remember. Um, so, you know, there's a series of questions to ask yourself when you're starting to feel hungry. Like, what temperature am I looking for? Something hot, something cold. Um, okay, what texture am I looking for? Is it crunchy or is it gooey? Um, what taste am I looking for? Is it sweet? Is it salty? Is it fat? Like, what is it that I'm looking for? And then you can create a meal for your body, right, in that moment of what it's looking for. 
But if you read oh, that I in love a book that. and you get on with your day, you forget about that. So that's going to be available in a recording and a PDF that you can print out and stick on your fridge and things to just remind you of this new way of of talking about food um, and, and stepping into your body. So that program is going to start um, either the last week of January or the first week of February. I'm still figuring that piece out. Um, and it's going to be run over a few months. And um, they'll get access to that. Um, and then they'll have live coaching calls with me um, every other week to support them. Because it's like learning a new language, you know. And you can't just take a lesson in Italian and then move to Italy and expect that you're just going to integrate beautifully, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a new culture. It's a new way. And the nuances are the thing that I think the coaching really brings to it. Because you can read the book, and especially with kids, right? Every parent that I work with wants to help develop a healthy relationship with yes. food with their children. And they go, but Carrie, like, does that mean you just don't have any rules at your house? Like, he can just eat what he wants, whatever he wants? I'm like, well, heck no. <laughs> that would be <laughs> to respect his body. Of course, there's guidelines. It's just mm-hmm. done differently. And again, it's the nuances of it all that really solidify it and, and make it a bit easier to incorporate. Yeah. You know, what so I think is fun. super important for folks is, especially that, you know, that then struggling with with eating the food addiction, with, you know, just so sick and tired of going into another diet, another diet, another diet, mm-hmm. and feeling bad about themselves is that in the program that you're offering is not only expert coaching and really targeting, you know, parts of the mindset that people just are have blinders to because we just have blinders to yeah. our own stuff. It's just the way it is. But, yeah. but the accountability piece is so huge. And I tell people, in fact, one of my family members, uh, in-laws mentioned something about, you know, counseling and she thought she should be able to do this herself. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, are you kidding me? I said, the most successful, happy, productive people that I know have multiple coaches, counselors, mentors, yeah. you know, accountability partners. Absolutely. You're not supposed to know how to do everything yourself and on your own. If you were, you shouldn't be human because we're all about community and evolving yeah. and growing together and supporting each other. So I think that people really need to, that are struggling with this, really I encourage you to, you know, really take a look at Carrie's program or at least book a call with Carrie to see if what she provides is a fit for you because we cannot and aren't supposed to actually be able to do this on our own. I got so many mentors and coaches over these. I I think I've lost count, but I have, uh, it's been such a blessing. And um, people look at me, oh, you're so successful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I got a lot of help. Well, yeah, food and body image, that, the shame that is associated with not having this food thing figured out is, it is such a weight, Karen, like it just keeps people down mm-hmm. and it kept me yep. down for so long. And I didn't talk to anybody about the struggles that I had. They were my own personal struggles. People didn't know how much I hated my body. They didn't know how much I abused my body with food. Um, and because it was all hidden, it was all secret. And I didn't want to talk about it. And it got even worse once I became a naturopath. 
And I see this yeah, I work with imagine. fitness instructors, nutritionists, medical doctors who they it's their dirty little secret and they're so ashamed. Um, moms who go, oh, my God, if my kids knew what I did when they went to bed. Oh, and that shame so is what keeps them stuck in the cycle. And it needs to be aired out. It needs to be talked about. But it needs to be done safely. And I'll share this in story community. with that. I went to see a counselor and I was in the middle of a relapse of the binge eating. Um, it was after my son was born and he's 10. So this is about 10 years ago. And I was not, I was not coping with life very well at all. Um, and the binging was my biggest concern. Now, of course, when I reflect back on my life, the food was the symptom of the other things that were going on. But right. my biggest worry was that I was going to get fat. Um, and so I talked to this counselor about my concerns, and she said, well, just don't eat those foods. Like, well, geez, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? Brilliant as I so much. <laughs> so what it did, like, it just added insult to injury, right? Like, yeah, I was helpful. already feeling so ashamed. It took a huge amount of guts for me to muster even broaching this topic with her, and right. she just shut me down, right? Ugh. So... <clears throat> I uh, I found a new counselor, and this one was a little <laughs> bit closer. But she would cringe when I talked to her about some of, like, because, like I said, my binges were not, like, I ate a few extra cookies. Like, I ate a, a huge amount of food. And I didn't share ever how much I ate or what I did until I could gauge someone's reaction. And it wasn't until right. I started working with a counselor who understood who had a history with this stuff and who had a real history of healing. And it was, again, she never brought up the food. It was, well, what was going on? What did that feel like? What did you do next? How were you? The, I was allowed to mm. say whatever I needed to say, and it was a very neutral Without response. judgment. It was very compassionate. It was very encouraging. It was just... So I got to go to the places that were absolutely terrifying that I knew I needed to go to but didn't know how to access by myself. And it's so easy to go, but it's just food. Like, get over it. It's just food. But for me, it was never just food. Never. And at the same right. time, it, it wasn't for most people. actually about the food. No, a food is emotional, no matter which. You can't unattach emotion and food. It's impossible. Yeah, but some that's of that's right. Well, Lori, <laughs> Lori stronger. here has the, some yeah. comments on on the chat. Uh, I'll share with you. Um, she she typed this in a little earlier. She said, "I saw the Gabriel method. He does meditations with the healthy eating." She also says, "We had plenty of food growing up, but my parents made us fast on Saturdays." Um, she said, "I used to get a taste in my mouth for the foods I needed to eat when I was younger." Uh, but then she lived on colas for years, and mm. uh, she stopped it about eight years ago um, and has been working on it. I'm not sure what she means by working on it, but um, but it sounds like that particular habit she didn't think was a good idea. So, mm-hmm. uh, so she stopped it. So I just want to share with you what, what folks are writing in. Thank you. Yeah, people sometimes will use colas, sometimes gum is another one of those distractions um, from the hunger. And, I mean, sometimes it's watching food, sometimes it's spending money, sometimes it's sex, sometimes it's alcohol. I mean, there's 
lots of ways to distract ourselves. But at the end of the day, when our body's hungry, it's going to make us eat. Mm-hmm. And if we can be respectful yeah. earlier in the process, and I think like I shared in Hawaii, if we, if we can listen to the whispers, we don't have to wait until it's shouting. Yes. Yeah, that is so true. And and I and folks, just so you know, I mean, being being a sensitive soul myself, um, sometimes what I'm feeling or wanting is not necessarily what you know. I, that discernment piece is is huge for me. So it's not like I have mm-hmm. this down. It's not like I have this perfectly. Not not by a long shot. And and but I keep you know, working on that, if I find myself being, you know, shaming myself or guilting myself, whatever, looking at it and going, oh, wow, that's interesting, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it's a process. So uh, you know, folks don't have to feel like you have to have it, have it, you know, perfect. Uh, but what I can say is that I um, feel like as each day goes on uh, that, um I'm a little bit closer, a little bit better at feeling like, wow, there's food left on my plate and I don't have to eat at all, you know, most of the time mm-hmm. I do. But but it's like, what is my body, does my body really want to finish this? I put so much on the plate or somebody else put it on my plate. Do I really want to eat that? And so I'm much better now at feeling out what I really want to do and not feeling what others want me to do or what others want themselves because sometimes I'll empathize with what they want you know and not mm-hmm. realize that I'm feeling their stuff um, so I think that uh, this is pretty darn important so uh, before we end maybe you can share with us how folks should connect with you learn about the program um, the best way is actually through the carriefullerton.com website they can click on the uh, get help now button and that will connect them to booking a connection call. So that's a free, um, I set aside 45 minutes, and we can talk about where you are um, and what's going on for you and whether or not this is a good fit. I do interview everybody before they come into my program, even my group program. So there's no, <clears throat> there's no place to just click and buy. And I do that quite specifically because it is a new language. And the right fit needs to be there. And you're right, you don't have to be all the way down the track to get started with this. But there's definitely some telltale signs when people really are not done with the old way just yet. Um, And that's okay. Um, But it's making sure that the group is safe for everybody. Because of my experiences with some of those counselors along the way, it's... um, it's really important that people are able to come as vulnerable as they can be and create that sense of community and that trust. So, um, and during that call, if, if I don't think that what I have to offer is the right solution right now, I can help direct you to what I think could be a good next step for you because there's lots of people doing different kinds of work out there. Um, and I don't ever want people to feel like they just don't have a next step because that is a, that's a hard place, that hopelessness. is It's unfortunate. <clears throat> and then the other way that people can be in touch is um, my Facebook group. So Applaud Your Bod is the uh, closed group where uh, lots of women are in there just on the same path trying to figure stuff out. Um, and if you need a place to go where you can get some body positivity and some strength for some other amazing women, then that would be the next place too. Mm, beautiful. So let me just spell it out for everyone. 
on the call or, you know, uh, that's listening to the replay of the show, it's kerryfullerton.com. It's spelled K-E-R-R-I-F-U-L-L-E-R-T-O-N, all one word, dot com. And you can also check out the dietrebellion.com as well. Carrie, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah, it's been super fun. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, love your bod. (laughs) Bye, guys.